today. You know, I'm uh, uh, we we pulled Jacob in all the way from from the North Shore, and so that's exciting. If I can put you on the spot. And so coming in and, and, and seeing dad and sister get baptized. And then you guys met some of you throughout there that are, that are here for, for Steve. And so I'm excited for that. I wanna, um, also want to tell you guys, man, we, we do this every week. We don't baptize every week. Um, but uh, And sometimes I preach well and sometimes you get a great nap. But we do do this every week. And so, so I'd encourage you, if you don't worship somewhere, that we'd love to have you come and, and join us every week. Um. I had an interesting week this week. I had a student walk in my office, and I'm going to call the student Bob because if I don't, I'm going to I'm going to say his name, and and then I'm going to break confidentiality laws, and I'm going to lose my job, and then life's going to be bad. So I'm going to work really hard to call him Bob and not tell you his real name. But I was at work this week. Bob comes into my office. Uh, I work in, for those of you that don't know, I work in in workforce development. We train high school students and other young adults to to work in the construction industry. So uh, this guy comes into my office. And I've had many conversations with Bob, and uh, and he comes in, and, and I'm like, Bob, you know, you were late today, and, and Bob, you, you missed Tuesday. Bob, you missed Thursday. Bob, what's going on? You're, you're consistently not here on time. Bob, how can we help you get here on time? And um, I had to call him into the office again because I realized that he's been missing two days a week for like a month now. And, uh, and so I call him in, and I'm like, Bob, you know, we, we only do this four days a week. And you're only here two of them, and I'm not good at math, but I think that means you're only here half the time. And uh, and you really can't get through if you're only here half the time. You know, you won't earn our credential. We certainly won't recommend you for a job. And, and I just want you to know that, that we'd love for you to do well, but you really got to be here more often. And to which he says to me, um, you know, the reason that I'm not here as much is because construction, well, it's really easy. <laughs> Nothing like somebody demeaning your whole job in just a moment. But he says, construction's really easy, and, and I have uncles that do it, and it's super easy, and I just don't think I need to be here four days a week in order to learn how to do this. So he really teed me up there, and I'm just going to knock this one out of the park because, you know, it's not that easy. And so, uh, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to him how it's not that easy. And so I'm totally ready. And so I say, well, you know, sometimes we, we make some things easier for you. But if I were to hand you these plans, and I hand him the plans of the little building, the house that they're building, and I say, if you had to take these plans, and I just said, this is all you get, now you've got to go build this house, it would be a lot more challenging. And you see this number right here? I, you see this room? i got to know that, that of all the lines on here, that one extra line means that's a window right there. And since that's a window, i got to figure out where to place that window and it's and so as I look I've got six lines here but this is the one that, that matters for that window and that means it's 48 inches from the edge of the building and I can't pull from the edge of the wall I got to pull all the way from the edge of the building because those three and a half inches will matter a lot and it's 48 inches to the middle of the of the building and then the window is is 24 inches but the but it but it tells me in the specs that the rough opening's got to be 24 and three quarter and so I got to pull 48 inches but I got to split 24 and three quarter in half so it's got to be 20 no and I'm just I'm, I'm going as fast as I can at him, you know, just trying to really confuse him, you know, and, and so that means I got to go 12 and 3 eighths back one direction, and so this, I got to say 48 minus 12 and 3 eighths, and that's, that's 35 and 5 eighths, and I did that a few times when I was practicing, so, but it's, it's 35 and 3 eighths, and, and then I got to add 24 to 35 and 3 eighths, which I think is, I think it's 59 and, and 3 quarter, 
And uh, my mom's a math teacher, and she just loves that I'm, I'm cranking these out, right? But um, 59 and three-quarter, and so i got to make a mark there. And, and if I'm three inches, if I'm three and a half inches off because I forgot to measure from the end of the building, then I put this window in the wall. And, and so that's a big deal because then we can't open the window. And it's also a big deal because if we put the window in the wall, now it's not 24 inches wide. It's it's 20. 20 and a half inches wide, if it's 20 and a half inches wide, it doesn't meet the rules for egress. And that means that if, if the house catches on fire, we can't fit out the window, which means that we can't get an occupancy permit. And if we can't get an occupancy permit, that means nobody can live in the house. And that means we just build a whole house that we can't get a permit for that nobody can live in that we probably can't sell. And so it's a lot to build a house. You know, it's not easy. It's challenging. And if, you, if I just hand it to you and, and just tell you exactly what to do, maybe it seems easy, but it's challenging. And I go through all that, and I'm real proud of me. You know, I just cranked it all out. And, uh, and he looks at me and says, I see how that can be hard for you. <laughs> and I'm like, Bob, Bob, Bob. And, uh, and then I'm not like Jesus anymore, and I'm not very nice for a few minutes. We spent the past few weeks, for, and for many of us, I think for the very first time, learning to hear and discern the voice of God in our lives. And we started with the idea of obedience, that we don't begin to hear God until we come before Him saying, God, I don't know what you're going to say yet, but I'm ready to obey. And that's how we, we've got to start before God. And then the next week we said, uh, we recognize that, that the way God speaks to us is through the Holy Spirit. And so beginning to learn kind of what that looks like. And today is, is pretty fun because we're going to get into exactly, now that we know where it's coming from and now that we know the posture that we have to have, now we're beginning to, to say, okay, now what does his voice actually sound like? And how can we begin to recognize that? And as we dig in, what I want you to see is, is how his voice and the way that he speaks, it really parallels ours when we're speaking with someone that we care about and when we're speaking with someone that we want them to do better. And when we're speaking with someone that we're, we're, being, we're, we're remembering to be patient and we're remembering to be kind and we're remembering to be loving. And it sounds in a few ways much like my conversation with this student where up until the end when I temporarily lost patience, it sounds a lot like that. And a lot like that gentle movement and that gentle pull. And, and we'll see as we walk through this passage how it mirrors a lot of that. So First Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel chapter 3, if this looks really familiar, um, then, then good, it should, because we just covered it. And so that would be awesome if it sounds really familiar. If it doesn't, and you were here two weeks ago, then I encourage you to stay more awake today, um, because we're going to dig through the same passage. As we dig through it, uh, we're going through, we kind of skipped this the first time we did it. We skipped 1 through 9, and we kind of jumped to verse 10. But we're going we're gonna to jump in verse 1 through 9 today. And, and here's what you got, just a quick refresher, uh, if you haven't read this passage, but what you got here is you got this young guy, his name's Samuel, he's probably around 12 years old, maybe a little older, but he's somewhere around in there, and you got this guy, he's around 12, he lives in the house of the Lord, he serves under the prophet Eli, and, and we're like 600 years past the exodus, we've, we've finished the conquest and all that stuff where they're taking over the promised land, if you remember some of that stuff, and we're long past that, and that stuff is, is really a distant memory. And where we find these people is you find a whole nation of people, God's people, who have a prophet who doesn't hear from God, and then you have a whole nation of people that don't really care that he can't. 
And you find them very, very far from where God's called them to be. And, and that's why the passage starts out with this, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. That's why it starts out by saying, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. And that's why it starts out like that. It says the word of the Lord was rare, because the people didn't care to hear it. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 3. Now let's pick up in verse 2. It says, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Two things, real quick. I just think it's really interesting how the Bible does this. It says the ark of the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, the... um, it says the, the light had not gone out yet, the lamp of God. This is this thing that was always next to the Ark of the Covenant. And it's just interesting. All that serves to tell us is that it was nighttime, which we may could have inferred by the fact that everybody was asleep. But it's just interesting to me how the Bible gives you, you know, it, it, it just lends credence to the fact that this is a real thing about a real time written in a real situation because they're just giving you, they're just really telling you exactly what's happening. But so anyway, so it's nighttime. The other thing I think is interesting here, if you catch it, it says that, that Samuel is laying down um, next to the Ark of the Covenant. If you've read much of the Bible, then you, there's a story not long before this where around 70 people are, are they decide that the Ark of the Covenant comes to their town and they decide that they really kind of want to see what's inside. And so they pop the top off and they look inside and God kills all 70 of them. And then there's a different time where some people are following behind the Ark of the Covenant and, and it begins to fall down and two people reach out to catch it, to keep it from falling, and they both die. And Samuel is just sleeping next to the thing. And you've got to hope that Samuel's not a sleepwalker or he doesn't roll over in his sleep. And so I just find, as you dig through this, how crazy is that? Sometimes in the middle of the night, I get up and, and I sleep in the recliner for the rest of the night. And my, and my wife's like, why are you sleeping in the recliner? And now I'm going to be like, at least it's not the Ark of the Covenant. So anyway, that's what it's like to live with me. So anyway, uh, so we pick up in verse 4. So, so you, you're getting a picture of where we are, right? It's nighttime. Samuel's sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant, which is, which is where we're the holy place where God dwells in and among his people. And he's in there. And then verse 4. And then the Lord called to Samuel. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. As you read that last passage, interesting thing as you sort of dig into the Greek, it seems like his, dig into the Greek text, his response kind of reads more like this. Speak, God because I'm ready to obey. Which I think is an incredibly appropriate verse on the day where we baptize three people. Speak, Lord, because now I'm ready to obey. And that's his response to God. This entire story illustrates this first truth that I'm going to share really well. And it's that God speaks to us primarily through His Word. The passage opens with, The Word of the Lord was rare. And I said this the first week, and I just ask it again. But can you say that that is true of you? 
could we say, the word of the Lord is rare in your life? How often are you, are you digging into the word? How often are you spending time in prayer and in the word? Or could we accurately say of you, much like we could for the whole nation of Israel at this time, the word of the Lord is kind of rare in my life right now. Even the prophet, even the prophet for an entire nation, a nation that's called God's people, even the prophet can't recognize the voice of God. Do you get the gravity of that? It's like if I were like the chief pastor in the country. That would be, if that were such a thing. And as scary as that might be, if I, if I held that role and, and you came and said, hey, Adam, I, you know, I just read this, this verse and it said, you know, uh, go into all the world and, and share the gospel, you know, and, and baptize people. And that thing's really, that verse is sticking in my mind and I've read it before, but for some reason I can't get it out. And then you said, and guess what? At my church, a missionary just came and he's, and he's from Cambodia and, and he and he preached, and, and can you believe that? Isn't that interesting? And then the week after that, my pastor preached, and he preached on that very verse that I can't get out of my mind. And then when that minister from that missionary from Cambodia came, he said he was an accountant. And what do you know? I'm an accountant too. And he said that his firm is hiring, and they need missionaries that can work in the public sector, but also be, be accountants. And what do you know? I just found out that my firm is downsizing. And get this, in the same week, I met a couple from Cambodia, and we talked about their faith. Isn't that crazy? Do you think in all that over the course of this past month that God's trying to tell me something? And, and, and if I were like Eli, I'd say, gosh, I don't know. Go lie back down. Just, you know, I don't know. Go, go, just keep going on about your life. I mean, of course he is. And this is so often how God begins to speak to us. But you got the leader the, the, the prophet for an entire country needs to become totally tone deaf. And he can't hear what God is saying when he speaks because the word of the Lord has become so rare in his life. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that God speaks to us at different ways all throughout history. And I'll tell you that the primary way that God speaks to us now is through his word. And you won't feel this guiding of the Holy Spirit. You just won't feel it. You won't recognize it. You won't know it if you're not in the word. There's a book, and we've been kind of, kind of walking through this book as we've been walking through the series. And she tells a story in there, and and I have a similar one. She tells the story of a friend that decided to to have an affair and and to leave their wife. And I had a friend that that did something similar, and and um and not to not to place ultimate condemnation on him, but I just think about that time when he was walking through it, and and I remember him saying some things like like he just convinced himself that this was good and right. That this is what God wanted for him. Not, you know, not just what he wanted, but this is what God had, had set out for him. And this is what God wanted. And, and the further we are from the word, the more likely we are to mishear him. And the more likely we are to put our own words in his mouth. The more Bob missed school, the more convinced he was that he could miss that this was easy, probably because he missed the day when we did Pythagorean theorem and squared the building, and it was confusing and hard. But he missed it, and so he didn't know it was hard, and so he thought it was easy. And even though, and everything I said to him lined up with our policy, everything I said to him is the truth we speak all the time. Everything was, I just said things he had heard so many times, but he was still convinced that his reality was different from everyone else's reality. And the further we get from the Word, the further that seems like truth. We make excuses for the reasons we don't get in the Word. I make excuses for the reason I don't get in the Word. Life is busy. I'm tired. 
you know, I got that update. Do you guys get that update? Did you do the new update on 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 the iPhone? And now it does this awesome thing where it tells you how much time you spent looking at your phone every day. Does that not suck? Yeah. I mean, you spent three and a half hours every day looking at your phone. That's impossible. That's impossible. I, that's got to be like navigation, and sometimes it's on. I'm not looking at it. That's what I've come to believe. But, but you know, I, I, I find a lot of time to do that. I don't think I watch that much TV, but I sat this morning and I thought, how much, how much TV do I watch? If I watch one show every night, it lasts about an hour. And then uh, I watch two games this weekend, or I will have by the time the weekend's over. And that's another six or seven hours. And then I uh, will watch one movie with Molly on Friday, and that's about two hours. And I think that if my math is good, that's about 15 hours this week. And I could find very little time to dig into the Word, but I found a lot of time to do a lot of other things. And it's not that I can't have anything else in my life, but the idea is when I prioritize something, I find time to do it. And when it comes to His Word, maybe it's because I don't prioritize it. Maybe it's just because sometimes I don't realize how much I need it. But don't be confused. God speaks to us through His Word. So the passage tells us God speaks to us through His Word. The other thing it says is that God also speaks to us very individually at times. Uh, you see, every time he comes here, he says, he doesn't say, hey, you, hey, the guy over there, hey, guy sleeping next to the ark. No, each time he comes, he says, hey, Samuel. You see, all throughout Scripture, when, when God wants to call Saul, he says, Saul, Saul. You see, when God comes to Mary, he says, Mary. And he speaks specifically to certain individuals. And I would say that God is absolutely still in the business of speaking to us. Is it audible? No, it's probably not. That's probably why it happened in a dream with Samuel, because it's not an audible thing. It's usually not that way, but it's him speaking specifically to us. Bob needed me, even though he has the same problems, even though he's having the same problem that a lot of people are have, he has some unique issues that he needed help working through. And because he's a young guy and he's 18 and he didn't know what to do about all these different little things, I had to help him walk through it. And so even though I'm, in many ways I'm telling him the exact same thing I tell every other student, I needed to have a conversation specifically with him. And he and I needed to catch up about, about how often he needs to make it and how he can work through some of those issues that he's facing. And it was an individual conversation meant specifically for him. That absolutely lined up with what everyone else is telling him, but it's a conversation I needed to have with him. And God in his personal relationship with you and with me knows that we're unique. He knows that we're unique. And as we read his word, he gives us these impressions on our heart. Sometimes it does sound like a, like a voice that, that, that's speaking to us. Sometimes, you know, in a dream, it's an impression, right? It happens in a lot of different ways. But he gives these to us. And, and here's, here's one thing that I can tell you, even as I talk about these sort of unique convictions that God gives us, is that we can do great harm if we think everyone should do the unique things that God has called us to do. I've seen students come back from summer missions and be convinced that everyone should be a missionary. And if everyone were a missionary, no one would be a missionary because no one would have a home and there would be nowhere for missionaries to go where someone is not at home. You know, it just defies all logic of what it means to be a missionary. But they come home and they're so certain that we should all be missionaries. We should all go away and we should all do this somewhere else. People have a lot of personal convictions that are really good. Some, you know, have you ever been browbeat over any of these? Breastfeeding? homeschooling, working less, working more, saving more. I could go on and on and on and on about people who have personal convictions. They're really good things. 
that want that believe that their personal convictions should absolutely be yours. And we also should not be in the business of believing that our that, that personal convictions outside of what Scripture explicitly tells us to do. But the things that God calls us to do are uniquely for us because we are unique. And we take joy in knowing that God speaks to us individually. And when God speaks to us and He puts these impressions on our heart, it is absolutely Him speaking to us. And here's one truth that you will always know. And this is what I always say. This is how I know when it's the difference between crazy me trying to talk myself into something and good, wise God putting this impression on me is does it line up with His Word? Right? Does it make sense with what He's already put down for me? And if I told the people that I go to church with, would they say, no, you're totally wrong? Or would many of them say, yeah, yeah, I affirm that. That looks good. That sounds right. Because the things that God puts on our hearts will always do that. God speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us individually. The last one that you see in the passage, and this is the one that, if I can appreciate one more than all the others, this would be it. But God speaks to us persistently. Speaks to us persistently. Have you guys seen this movie? I think I put it up there. Did we already, did we already fly past it? There we go. Have you guys seen this movie? What an old classic, huh? Um, so most of you haven't seen it. It's an old classic. I trust me. But anyway, so so in this movie, um, if I can just spoiler alert for a movie that's like twenty five years old, um, spoiler alert to you. But these people, they 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 do this. It's just totally unrealistic, mathematically almost impossible thing happens, and they bump into each other once, and then they say, "Well, if it's meant to be, we'll bump into each other again." And then they bump into each other again, and then it happens a third time. And maybe it's just because they live in the same neighborhood. But they believe it to be this unreal movement. And then they move to, and then they say, we'll find each other again if it's meant to be. And then, this is the spoiler alert here, so plug your ears if you want to watch it. But years later, uh, both of them just randomly decide they're going to try to find one another. And they live in different cities. They have no idea where the other one is. But come to find out, lo and behold, they just find one another. I live in one community with a lot of people I go to church with. I almost never see you guys unless I mean to. But these people somehow overcame. Fate brought them completely together. And sometimes people look at the movement of God in their lives as if it were like that. Total chance. Maybe you'll show up, maybe you won't. But what I love is that is that we don't rely on this sort of serendipity to just sort of bring us together and everything's real kind of fluid like that. But, but the idea is, is God is persistent with us. And some of these things that, that we see in our lives where like like the like the sort of sequence I told you about a minute ago where you where you 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 know a missionary comes to your church and then you realize you could do what that missionary does and and, and, and all those things begin to come together and that's God's persistence. Consistently putting someone there, moving something, moving some piece to begin to get you to listen to what he has to say. Uh, I remember when Jess and I were praying, my wife and I were praying about what we may do next in ministry. And, uh, and there were a bunch of interesting things that, that came together. Um, I remembered just what I thought was out of the blue, but most certainly a movement of God. I remembered that, that I'd met a church planner before. And at the time, I didn't even know the word church planner. I didn't even know that that was a thing. But I had just 
heard about it. I mean, he just came and spoke, and I thought he was just a missionary. And so he came and spoke, but that just popped into my mind, and I thought, you know what? I think that guy was a church planner. And um, and then shortly after that, uh, where I was going to seminary, they started a church planning class, and we'd never had one before. But they started one right when I was there, right at the time that I was making schedules. And these were the very first ones. And they hired a church planner to come to, to work at the seminary and to teach this class. And they never had one before, but they hired one. And I didn't know anything about church planning, and I certainly wasn't planning on doing it, but those things kind of came together, and so I enrolled in the class. Meanwhile, I'm a student who's studying like missiology and then sort of trying to learn how to be a missionary. And, and then I'm realizing the more missionaries come and talk about if this is what you're good at, if this is how God has called you, then you are most certainly called to be a missionary. And I'm sitting there going, God, none of this is me. Like, none of this sounds like me. And so I'm feeling like the thing I thought I was going to do is, is, is I'm going to be terrible at it. And then all the while, God's opening all these doors for me to hear about church planning. And I'm thinking I'm going to go around the world to do something. But then I begin to love the people in my neighborhood. And I begin to love where I live, which wasn't the case when I first moved there. And all that stuff's kind of happening. And then this new missionary coordinator comes to the city whose whole job is, is, to, is to resource church planners and help get them going and help give them some funds and that kind of thing. And then he gets into the city and he calls me and he says, hey, let's meet. And if I was foolish, I would say, I can't believe all that came together and we started this church. Can you believe it? What, what random chance? But that's a God who is persistent. And he says, when I want you to do something, I'm going to continue to put a person and a thing, and move something consistently so that you can hear what I have to say. Because that's the way that he speaks to us, persistently. He doesn't get angry when we miss it. He's just persistent. You notice that the third time he calls Samuel, he doesn't say what I think my dad would have said to me. Boy, I called you three times. You know, and I would have been in a lot of trouble. But no, the third time he says, Samuel just like he did the first two. And then Samuel doesn't hear him again, so the fourth time, the only thing he does is he says his name twice. Samuel, Samuel. And he just works a little bit harder to get his attention. But he's persistent, and he's loving, and, and, he, and he doesn't get mad because we didn't hear him the first time. The persistence of God encourages me, maybe more so than anything else. And no matter how many times I sin, and no matter how many times I don't listen, He continues to call. And no matter how far I walked in a road that I really shouldn't be down, His persistence stays with me, pulling me back. And you should know that He is calling you. He's calling you personally, and He's calling you persistently. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, and you've never said, Jesus... You are the one true God, and, and I ask forgiveness of my sin. And God, I ask you to save me. And if you've never done that, you should know that He continues to call persistently. The Bible says that He stands at the door and knocks. And consistently and persistently He knocks. If you have put your faith in Jesus, I want you to know that He has some great things for you. And He has great things for all of us collectively. But specifically for you, He has some very great things for you. And so it's my prayer for those of us that follow Him that we would begin to learn to hear His voice. And as we begin to learn, as we've walked through this series, and as you begin to learn to hear His voice, that our answer would be, Speak, God, because now I'm ready to obey. Let's pray.